Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash w-a-n-t-p-o-w-e-r. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 83. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited today to be able to share another coaching call with you. These are so fun for me. And it's so fun for me to know that you all are kind of the fly on the wall listening in as we're doing this. Today's call is with Lisa. And she had some really, really great questions. She wanted to know how to apply the model when she just really, really wanted to eat something. (laughs) Like she could see how it applied in so many other ways with her thinking, and she just could not figure out how to make this work for her in terms of getting her to not eat something when she really, really wanted to eat it. She also had some questions a little bit about accountability and how to be accountable to herself. So we delve really deep into that in this call. And if you are somebody who has struggled with applying the model, this thought model to your actual eating, you are not going to want to miss this episode. This is really, really good stuff. And this is really the true fundamentals for how you stop going against yourself and eating against your own will. That's what we're talking about today. So please enjoy this coaching call with Lisa. All right. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. So we are so excited to do this coaching call. And so we talked a little bit about what we were going to talk about. And we decided to talk a little bit more about the model first, and how you can use the model 
to help you to not eat when you really want to eat in the moment, right? Right. Right. So give me an example of where this has come up for you, where like what you told me was, I feel like the models help me in so many areas of my life. I just am having trouble applying it to this part. So tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I definitely have a sweet tooth. And anytime there's a candy bowl and I walk past that, I want to take a handful. Or if there's dessert, you know, I don't need it because I'm full, but I need it because it's there. For instance, or if I know that I have a plate of cookies on the counter and I'm upstairs in my bedroom, it's almost like those cookies are calling my name and won't stop until I go down and have one or the whole plate. And for a while, I might try to think about using the model and I just can't wrap my head around how to get into it so that I can really control myself. And usually the cookies win. So exactly. I'd love to dig into that deeper. Okay. Or the bowl of candy. Yeah. Uh (laughs) So when the cookies are down there, what we have a tendency to think is that there's no thoughts going on. Like we just have desire, but there's always a thought there. And so what are the thoughts? It's probably a lot of chatter, actually, right? You're upstairs, the cookies are downstairs, and they're talking to you. I've totally used the exact same terminology, right? Uh, (laughs) You're just like, come on. So what are the thoughts that are going on in your head when that's happening? Just how good they would taste that if I don't eat them, someone else is going to get them before I can. Okay. That I probably won't make cookies for a long time else. So the scarcity concept, these might be the last homemade cookies I get for a while. So I better stock up, but mainly just how good they would taste. How good they would taste. Yeah. And this is the thing that I think is actually really helpful to understand is it doesn't have to be like some deep, dark secret, (laughs) like thought. It really can just be those would taste good or I want that. Right right? I want to eat that. <laughs> like that I mean, I love cookies and I love chocolate. I love cookies. I love chocolate. Right. And even the thought I have a sweet tooth, it seems like you're just telling me like, no, I'm just letting you know a fact about me. Right. But that is a thought. That's a way that you describe yourself that fuels this story about if there's a candy bowl, I can't just walk past it. I have to eat it. If there's cookies, downstairs and I'm upstairs. I can't stop thinking about them. Like these are all thoughts. And I think you're like, no, but like really that would be a circumstance. I have a sweet tooth. The other thing is when I was stressed out about not being able to find a computer with a camera on it, I was like, I know my friend Kelly has M&Ms in her office. I'm just going to go find some M&Ms before I try to solve this problem. It's like those M&Ms are just going to relieve my stress. Right. Right. And that really is just a habit. It's like, oh, I'm feeling this uncomfortable emotion. Because what you're talking about is there was a little change of plan as we were heading into this call and you're trying to get it all sorted out. And so you're a little stressed about it. And so what you normally do when you feel that emotion is you eat something sweet and it really does make you feel better. That's the thing, right? Gives you that little dopamine hit and it really does calm you down. Like, okay, now I'm ready to solve a problem because I just had some MMs. That's exactly how it feels. Yeah, yeah. So the awareness of this is the first big part of this. Okay. So just recognizing I have a sweet tooth is a thought. 
the reason you have such desire and over desire to eat candy and cookies is because of the thought they'll taste good. I really want that. That would be delicious right now. I like chocolate. I like cookies, you know, things like that. So all of those things are thoughts. And we put those on the T line in the model. So just going back to the cookie example, let's just put those into a model. So the circumstance, the neutral fact is cookies in your house, right? We can all agree there were cookies in your house. <laughs> and then your thought is they'll taste good. How do you feel when you think they'll taste good? What emotion do you have? Excitement. Okay. And then what do you do? I go eat them. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the result for you is they tasted good. Right? Right, yeah. But you also... Then I feel guilty because I... Yes. <laughs> I can hold myself accountable. And right. going against your plan... Right. right. Yeah. Why right. can't I ever do anything right? Yeah. So that's actually the model that comes right after this model. So in that moment when you go, they'll taste good, I'm excited, that drives you to take the cookie and eat it. In that moment, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Then right. it tasted good. But then maybe a split second later, maybe a minute later, maybe an hour later, there come your thoughts of, I shouldn't have eaten those. Why can't I control myself and other thoughts, right? So what are those thoughts then? Well, the thought would be, I feel too full. I really want to lose weight and I can't ever do what I know I need to do to do that. Maybe I should just quit trying to lose weight and just eat all the cookies I want all the time. But mainly like, I know what needs to be done and I'm just not doing it. Okay. All right. So let's choose that last one. So that last thought, and really you could choose any of these thoughts. And I just want you to know that and anyone listening, you're giving me a now another little mini thought download of what your thoughts are right after you've eaten it. Okay. And it's not like you have to find like the best thought or any of that. I'm just, just picking one just to pick one. So the one I'm picking is I know what to do and I'm just not doing it. And so the circumstance here is that you ate, you know, how many cookies would you say? Let's just four. four. Okay. So eight, four cookies. And then your thought is, I know what to do and I'm just not doing it. And then what's your feeling when you think that thought? Guilt or failure. Okay. And then what do you do when you feel guilty or like a failure? I beat myself up. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Mm, I'm pretty good about beating myself up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's mainly what I do. Yeah. Do you sometimes eat more cookies? Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I've already messed up. Why not just yeah. eat more? Yeah. yeah. Right. Isn't that so fascinating? Yeah. Because uh-huh. then you're feeling guilty and like a failure, which feels terrible. And then you're beating yourself up, which makes you feel even worse. So then right. how in your, you know, in your brain, how does your brain make you feel better? Right. And then oh, I sure. promise myself, well, I'll just start over tomorrow. So yeah. then maybe I should go have more cookies or right. find something else. I know tomorrow I won't be allowed to have because I'm starting over. Right, so. right. 
So then the result, just to finish this model out, you know, if the action is beating yourself up and eat more cookies, then the result is you just are not doing it, right? You're, you're really doing the exact opposite of what it is that you need to do to get what you want. Yeah. So you can start, are you starting to see how you can use the model like in this kind of a scenario? So this is just to understand what you're doing now. Okay. So like, how do we use it then to help you change? <laughs> right. So the first issue here is your willingness to feel a negative emotion or an uncomfortable emotion. And this is complicated a little bit by your over desire for sugar and flour based foods. So what happens in your brain when you eat flour and sugar on a regular basis is because they're so concentrated and they release such a dopamine hit, your brain evolutionarily has been trained to place an inordinate amount of emphasis on those foods. Because way, 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 way back when maybe trees were having fruit, you know, apples were ripe or there were berries, wild berries, places or things like that, that sweetness was pretty unusual for us as humans. And then the brain was like, Ooh, that sweetness was good. You should definitely eat more of that because you needed to get, you needed to kind of gain some weight in the summer so you could make it through the winter. I mean, really when food was scarce, like you needed to have some, some stores. And what has now happened for us as humans is that that sweetness is so concentrated and so ridiculously overly available. Like it's everywhere, right? (laughs) You can have it anytime you want. And our brains have not evolved or adapted to know what to do with that intense dopamine hit. So it's like the brain's like, oh, way more dopamine, way more important. For sure, you really need to do that. And to get you to do that, it creates this desire, this urge. This feeling of like, I just, I can't stop thinking about the cookies. I need to go have the cookies. It's like, you can't rest until the loop is closed. You know, like I want cookies until I eat the cookies. My brain will not rest. And then it starts the next cycle of beating yourself up and feeling bad. And then you're, you know, feeling the, those emotions that don't feel good. And then that's the emotional eating component of, I don't feel good about myself. So the way I feel good is I eat some more food, right? So interesting to see this. So the desire is created by the brain overemphasizing this importance of these foods, but it's also created by your thinking, right? Because have you ever seen a cookie that you just thought looked gross or like had something in it that you don't like? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Like there might be some ingredient in it that you're just like, yeah, Yeah. not a fan of that or something, right? Like that, why is that cookie different than one that you do like? They're both cookies. Right. The only difference is what your thoughts are about it. Like, I like the ingredients in this one. I don't like the ingredients in that one. And so your desire for the one that you like the ingredients in is way higher than the one that you don't. Or like, say, you know, like, here's an example for me. I have never liked pudding. I am not a pudding person. Like I remember as a kid, like thinking I should like pudding. Kids like pudding. And every time I tasted it, I was like, this is not good. I don't like this. So pudding has no impact on me. I can have pudding around me all day long. I'm like, it's really not that interested, right? But then there might be some other food that is 
also just a suite that I have so much more desire for. And the difference is my thinking about it. So the part that your brain creates with the overemphasis on the sugar, the way that you reduce that is by taking a break from eating that all the time. And that means letting your brain create these urges and create this desire and going, yep, I'm really feeling that right now. And I'm going to let myself feel it and not close that loop because every time I eat it, I re-emphasize to the brain this importance and the brain will actually, this is neuroplasticity, right? The brain will reduce its desire for this if you don't keep closing the loop by eating the food. So that requires some commitment to going like, yeah, I'm willing to really want the sugar and not eating it because I know the long-term gain is going to be, you know, so important for me, but at the same time, managing your thinking, because if you're trying to not eat the sugar, you're trying to not eat the cookies while going, oh my gosh, but I won't be able to have them again for a long time. And oh, they would taste so amazing and they smell so good. And how come everyone else gets to eat them? And oh, those dumb, naturally thin people, they can eat all the cookies they want and they don't gain any weight. This is just not fair at all. I should definitely be able to eat this, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> your, your brain is creating so much desire with your thinking that allowing that urge becomes so much more difficult. Right. Right. Versus just managing your thinking and deciding how you want to think about the fact that you have a lot of desire, (laughs) that your brain's creating a lot of that desire for you. So let's play around with that idea. So there's cookies in the house. You've made a commitment to yourself. You're not going to eat these cookies. The desire is definitely there, right? The thoughts are coming. Like I always think of them as like, you know, when the, when the, we watch the lottery on TV, like they show the lottery and they have like all the balls like flying around the air blower and everything. And then they just like press a button and like one of those balls pops up, you know, and they're like, that's the number or whatever. I think of that like thoughts in our brain, you know, it's like, whoop, oh, this is the thought. You're never going to be able to eat a cookie ever again. So you absolutely have to eat this one. Like, right. brain, that's the best one you got from me today. Okay. <laughs> you know? Okay. So your brain is like popping up like those little lottery balls, like all of these thoughts. That's your primitive brain offering that up to you. And then you have your prefrontal cortex, that supervising mother going, no, but I made a decision. I'm not going to eat the cookie. So now we have to figure out what is the thought that's going to keep you on that path for what you want. Okay. So the way that we can actually do this model is from the bottom up. So we know what result we want, right? It's very clear. You want the result of not eating the cookie. Right. Right? Following your plan. So that is, you know, really easy. So we can start there. And in order, actually, you know what? We're That is actually the action line now that I write that down. So that is the action line. So the action you want to take is actually inaction. We want to not eat the cookie You want to follow your plan and manage your mind so it's probably not like a horrible experience. (laughs) So, all right, manage your mind, right. And then what's the result for you if you don't eat the cookie, follow your plan and manage your mind? Then I feel good that I'm in control. I feel like I'm in control, maybe lose some weight or at least eat healthier. Yeah, moving forward towards your goal. Right. Yeah. And you know, the one thing that I always come back to too is then you're really living in integrity with yourself. 
Right. I have a problem. Right. Because you made your, you made a decision, you promised yourself something and you kept your promise to yourself. Right. So you're living in integrity. And that is, I think when we really, really look at overeating and this whole weight struggle, that is one of the reasons it feels so bad, especially for us as physicians, right? We're like smart people. We're so accountable and follow through and live in high integrity in so many areas. And like, why in this one area right. not follow through, right? So, so knowing how good it feels when you're living in integrity, when you say you're going to call a family, you call them, right? Or a patient or whatever, right? You don't, aren't just like, I don't know. I just like really wanted to eat a cookie. So I didn't, right? Like you would never do that. Right. Right. So, so living that result of living in integrity with yourself is, is really what you want ultimately. So now we know that. So the result we want is being in control, moving forward towards your goal and living in integrity with yourself. The action is not eating the cookie, following your plan and managing your mind. So if you're going to do those things, what emotion would drive that? How would you feel? To get myself to do those things, how do I need to feel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in control or, yeah, in control that I'm controlling the situation, not the cookies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. So our circumstance is <laughs> cookies in the house, cookies not on food plan. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> those are both things that we can, we can agree on. I think everyone could, could agree on that if you had that all laid out. So then... What we're looking for is a thought that feels true and believable to you that makes you feel in control so that you don't eat the cookie and follow your plan, you manage your mind, and then get the result of moving forward towards your goal, living in integrity with yourself. So can you think of a thought that would create that feeling? A thought that would make me feel in control. I mean, a random thought would be, I want to be healthier or... I don't need the cookie or this cookie is not going to help me achieve my goals, something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That for sure can do it. Now, here's the thing. Like, I want to be healthier, like sounds great. And in the moment, your brain's going to be like, screw health. That sounds terrible. Like you can get healthy tomorrow because today there's cookies. (laughs) I'm trying this. Right. And so it's, it's really good to recognize that. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your brain or you or, you know, something fundamentally wrong with you. It's just that your brain, you know, that primitive brain is just going to be more screaming at you. Like, no, but I'm quite sure that cookies really are that important right now. Like I really think you need to have them tomorrow when there aren't cookies here. Right. Right. Tomorrow, then you'll really feel sad, right? Uh huh. You just get rid of these cookies. It's so much easier to be healthy. Exactly. So. Right. And the only way to get rid of them is to eat them. Of right. So one thing that let's just play with this a little bit. And I certainly am not telling you how to think. Like this is up to you to to come up with what you think is going to work. And and then what you do is you take a thought that you think that's going to work, and then you do what we say, trying it on. Like it's sort of like trying on clothes. Like you actually are in that situation and you try that thought and see if it works. But one thing that I think can be really helpful when you're having a lot of desire for something, but you ultimately you want to not eat it is recognizing the desire, right? Saying, of course you want the cookie. You know, of course I want to eat the cookie, 
And it's okay that I want to eat the cookie, but I'm not going to eat the cookie today. Like it can be something as simple as that. Okay. You know, just recognizing it, not not resisting that desire and thinking it shouldn't be there. And over the course of time, the more times the cookie's there and you have the desire and you don't meet it with a cookie, the desire does go down and it goes away. But in the moment, you're feeling intense desire. Yeah. I really want to eat that cookie and it really seems like it's the solution right now. But I want to, you know, maybe I want to stay in, in integrity with myself or I'm working on being in control of my thoughts, feelings, and actions. You know, there's lots of different ways of kind of thinking about this. I'm feeling a lot of desire for the cookie and that's okay. Meaning it's okay to have the desire, like allowing the desire and not thinking that I can't feel it. I have to make it go away with the food. That, okay. Something that you've said somewhere has resonated with me as far as like stress goes. Like, because whenever I get stressed, I reach for candy or cookies or whatever. And I try to stop myself and say, okay, it's okay to feel stressed. Just feel the emotion and get it over with. And I never thought to do that with a desire. Just feel the desire, work your way through it and get over it. Right, right. Yeah, and learning how to feel that for those of us who overeat is like for real a skill that we have not ever tried. (laughs) (laughs) Or the only time you you do it is when like the food isn't around or you're in a procedure or like, you know, you really can't do it. And then your thinking's a little bit different anyway. But feeling the desire when the food is there and not eating it is something you can really get good at. Like sometimes I'll think that to myself, like I'm getting really good at feeling rejected today, or I'm getting really good at feeling desire for food that I'm not going to eat today. Like it's so much more neutral just telling myself that story rather than poor me. Why do I have to have this metabolism? It's not fair. You know? Yeah, that's okay. That This is really helping. Thank you. You're yeah, you're absolutely welcome. This is how you can really apply this model to literally anything. Okay. You know, so, so this is such a great way, especially when you're like, I don't even know what to think. All I know is I just have like the lottery balls full of reasons why I should eat the cookie flying around, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so you come up with your thoughts. So let's just finish this model. What is the thought that you, that you want to try the next time this happens? It's okay to have the desire to eat the cookie, but you don't have to eat the cookie. Yeah. Okay. It's okay to feel desire. Yeah. And, and not, not act on it. Yeah. Act on it. Okay. So this is what's going to happen. So we do this work now when you don't have a cookie in front of you and you're like, yes, for sure. This is what I'm going to do next time. There's a cookie and it's going to be amazing. And like, I'm going to be a complete badass. And this, like, I'm just, this is the solution. And then the cookies, if you're anything like me, at least the cookie is going to come around. And your brain's going to completely forget everything we just did. Okay. <laughs> your brain's going to just be like, nope, like we're blocking that. So what, what really honestly needs to happen is you need to write this down for yourself and remind yourself of it. Like say, I mean, sometimes what I'll have my clients do is literally go and bake cookies to have them in front of them so that they can practice this you know, to like create the situation for themselves, you know, and then like practice throwing them all away or something that feels really uncomfortable, you know? Well, we have 
we got new neighbors and my husband's like, oh, we need to bake them something and take it to them to meet them. So I have practice. Right. And what I used to do is be like, well, we'll bake them a dozen. And of course, we'll bake ourselves a dozen as well. Because I mean, if we're doing it, why not? Right. And in this case, you can just bake two dozen, give them all to them. And practice feeling that desire not having any left over or watching everyone else, you know, watching your husband eat them. I mean, sometimes it's really good to kind of put yourself in that sort of lion's den position to practice this, to go, does that work? What do I need to do? You know, eventually I want you to be able to be around the cookies and go like, who cares? It doesn't even matter. I don't even care about it, but you're not there yet. And, (laughs) And that's completely fine. And this is just all you know, part of the practice of going like, I want to get to that point where, you know, like I say, it's like an onion on the counter. It's like, it's a cookie. It's like, "Mm, just not that interested. It probably tastes good, but like, whatever, it's not that big of a deal to me. But the way that you get there is by practicing this, letting yourself have that urge and that desire and not meeting it. And then reminding yourself of this. Now, sometimes it gets to the point where you're like, okay, I'm out. I've been doing this for five minutes and I'm either going to eat that cookie or something else needs to happen. And then maybe you go for a walk outside or you go, you know, do something different, listen to some music or just kind of get your mind off of it. But then, you know, for five minutes, you allowed that urge and you still didn't eat the cookie. And that is huge. Like that's huge progress. And then you practice it again and you practice it again. Okay. Okay. So that is, that is, and and it might even be if it's like, you know, the M&Ms in someone's office or something like that, where you're like, okay, I'm going to practice going into her office and talking to her and not grabbing M&Ms. Like, and then I'm going to leave and I'm going to for sure feel like I am missing out on something. Because it's just, it's just, you know, pattern recognition. Your brain's like, remember, this is what we do when we're in our office. This is what we do. And instead you're like, oh no, but I'm just changing that. That's not what I'm going to do anymore. And I'm willing to feel this uncomfortable desire while I'm changing that for myself. So what we often think is that there's no thought. A lot of times when people tell me that they do some binge eating, there's like, they, they say, there's no thought at all. I don't have a thought. I just eat. But there is a thought and the thought really can just be, I want to eat more food. What else can I eat? I want to feel fuller. Like, you know, like, I mean, it really can be just as simple as that. And we think we're just like, no, that's just like the honest truth. That's not a thought, but it is a thought. And it's a thought that creates, you know, desire that drives the action of eating that food. Okay. Really interesting, right? How that kind of all plays out. So you, so I also like to just think about having some compassion for yourself as you're going through this process. This is, this is hard. This is hard work that the vast majority of people don't sign up for, right? Because they're like, that sounds terrible. I think I might just, you know, sign up for the latest weight loss shake thing or take some pills or something and hope that that's going to work. They aren't really willing to do this part of the work, but this is everything. Like seriously, this, like if you had no desire for cookies, would it be hard to not eat a cookie? Yeah, no, not at all. Right? So it's like, oh, then maybe the solution is reducing the desire. And maybe I have a lot of control over that by choosing what I think. And if that's the case, and this is the work I have to do to not be so consumed by eating sugar all the time, huh, interesting. Maybe I'm willing to sign up for that. Definitely. Right? Right. I mean... 
this is like the really good stuff here. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, okay. So you were talking earlier about the, just not eating sugar for a while. So I've tried that and actually I know that it does work and then I fall off the wagon, so to speak, and then never get back on. But do you look at like added sugar in foods and artificial sugars and that also, or in flour? Usually I just, you know, say, okay, I'm going to stop diet soda and I'm going to stop, you know, just concentrating carbs, any kind of bad stuff. And then, you know, then I do lose the desire for it. Okay, so I think I just answered my own question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, finish it out because someone listening might be like, wait, what was she going to say? Well, I was going to say, I mean, do you read labels and look for added sugar in everything? And just if it has added sugar, try not to eat it. Because, but I mean, for me, usually when I'm cutting out everything I know I shouldn't eat, it really doesn't, then I don't need to look at labels because I know, I know what I should. You already know. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, so much food that's processed is going to have a lot of sugar in it, you know, like it's just kind of the tail end or like the result of the whole low fat thing, you know, and now all of our taste buds were so, are so used to sweet, you know, or some sweetness or lack of acidity or things like that, that they're just adding sugar to everything. The reason they started adding so much sugar was because when they took the fat out of all the food, it tasted terrible. So if you can't have fat to make it taste good, then why don't we add sugar? So now there's added sugar to so many things. But when you really constrain your food, like the foods that you eat, which is, you know, one of the things that I teach, then you just find, you know, a few things that are on your plan that don't have the added sugars and you just eat them again and again. And when you're not looking for a lot of entertainment out of your food and a lot of variety and all of that, then it doesn't really matter, right? You're just like, yeah, I just eat this and it tastes good. Is it the most mind-blowing thing I've ever eaten? No. And that's exactly the point. Right. Like, <laughs> like the point is I'm fueling my body with food that tastes good and nourishes me. And I don't have to think that it was the most amazing meal I've ever eaten. So it doesn't mean that your food doesn't taste good. It just, it means that it's not like, oh my gosh, you know what we need to do? We need to go to that place and we need to get that amazing thing. And I heard that that new place that opened is so great and we absolutely have to go there. And you know, like, you know what I mean? Like where you get like super excited and you're getting so much of your entertainment in your life and excitement in your life out of your food. You want to keep it very boring, very, very boring. Like this is just what I eat over and over again. Now, most like salad dressings will have, even the fatty ones will have a little added sugar. Like ranch dressing usually has at least a little bit unless you make it yourself. And, you know, we have to make this super easy. Like I want you to be able to go to the hospital cafeteria or like a grocery store that has a salad bar and be able to make yourself a salad and use their dressings and have it be fine. When you think about ranch dressing, it doesn't taste sweet. So if you're out and about and that's what they have, like you don't need to go crazy. Like this is your B minus work, right? You're not like, I can't eat anything because there might be the slightest little whatever added. You have the ranch dressing in the restaurant or wherever you are. But when you're eating at home, which, you know, a lot of us eat the majority of our meals there, or at least prepare them there. Sure, it makes sense for you to pay attention and pick one that's lower in sugar, has the sugar like way lower in the ingredients list and choosing something like that. But I wanted to speak to your diet soda. You know, there are definitely some people who think, who say and speculate that the non-caloric sweeteners can 
increase your insulin levels, which can, you know, make you put you into more of a fat storage mode. The jury's kind of out on that being like a definitive like fact for sure it happens. But what we do know is that when you consume something that tastes sweet, it fuels your desire for sweetness. So, right? Like, and I know that for myself too, having been on and off it over the years, like I don't ever drink it anymore because it, I, it just doesn't serve me and I don't want to deal with the aftermath of like having to deal with then having that sweet taste and wanting more sweet. And I just don't even think about it if I'm not drinking that. And so that can be, because if you think about it, right, like how come everybody drinks diet soda and then still gains weight? Like it might make you hungrier. There's a lot of things that it might do. And we don't know about that. But what we do know for sure is it makes you want more sweet things. Right. So that's not helping you then. Like that's for sure not helping with the overdesire, you know? So can I ask you something? Yeah. What then do you, like tonight we're going over to some friend's house and I don't really want to drink beer, but I don't want to just say, okay, I'll just have water when everyone else is drinking something. What can I splurge with? Yeah. I was like, well, if I pour some Diet Dr. Pepper in a cup and pretend to put a little fireball in it, it looks like (laughs) and I'm not and, you know, comments, but if I'm just drinking water, then... Right, right. Comments or people are like, oh, she's uptight, you know, and I'm not. Well, so first of all, it's our thoughts about what other people are thinking about us because usually what we're thinking, right, we're thinking they're thinking about us that we're uptight. Right. Right. But that's actually our judgment of ourselves. Like most people are not coming up to you and going like, are you uptight? Like, you know, like I come up and say, "Oh, are you pregnant?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's like, 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 like I don't want to deal with the pregnancy questions, but but even regardless, right? It's, sometimes we just prefer not to, right? Yeah. Right. And it doesn't have to be like a whole story of like, "Well, I'm trying to lose weight, and I'm trying to this and that and the other thing." Sometimes you can just say like, "I just prefer not to," or just sometimes I like to not do that. Like some, some of my clients who take call will love being on call. Sometimes they're like, it's such a good out. You yeah. know, like <laughs> I don't have to explain myself. I can just say that. You know, sometimes what I have done is I've done like the fake drinking, which I took when I was pregnant, I took great pride in being an amazing fake drinker, like totally like making people think I was drinking. They had no idea and like swapping drinks out with my husband and like, you know, and then them having no idea. So that's sometimes that was just something fun to do. You of course don't have to do that. But like what I do for myself, because there are definitely times, like I have alcohol on my protocol and if I want to have it, I will have it, but I rarely, rarely have it. And so there are definitely times like say I go to someone's house or I'm at a restaurant and I'm thinking I just kind of want a little bit more of a special drink. There are things that I do or that I ask for that do feel a little bit more than just like plain tap water. And for me, that's sparkling water. So Pellegrino is great. A lot of restaurants have that. They don't have that. They for sure have club soda because any place that has soda like on a, like a, fountain, you know, on a gun kind of thing, they can always just give you the soda water. And then I like getting lemon and lime wedges. So at a nice restaurant, I'll even put that in a wine glass and nice lemon and lime. It's a beautiful glass and a nice, you know, sparkling water, Pellegrino tastes good. And that's enough for me. Then just like, no, water's good, you know, which is water's totally fine. You absolutely yeah. could just do water. But you might also, like sometimes I've had clients who have gone to someone's house and have brought over LaCroix. 
you know, like a case of LaCroix or, you know, or like a little six pack or something of, you know, some sort of flavored sparkling water if they really like that, just so they feel like they've got something that they're holding if everybody else is kind of, you know, holding something. So those can be options too. What you have to do is you kind of have to experiment with just trying different things and seeing, and you might be like, nobody even noticed, like nobody even paid any attention, but the only way you know is if you try it. And then just stay really aware. Like, I wonder what people will think and what they'll say rather than going, I know they're they're thinking such weird things about me. Like, no, you're thinking weird things about you. Like, that's your thought that you're putting on them, your judgment about you that you think they're thinking about you, right? So practicing that. And then another great thing to do is to observe people who don't drink or who aren't drinking. You know, just and maybe where you're going, there won't be anybody. So maybe this time won't be a time that's a good idea to do that. But when you go different places and there's someone who's not drinking, paying attention or paying attention to someone who's naturally thin and how she responds, like how she shows up with that. Like you might notice that she takes three sips of her beer and then like loses interest you know and and it's really interesting really fascinating to spend some time just really just observing you're like an anthropologist <laughs> this this unique culture that you've just <laughs> discovered of the naturally thin people like how are they showing up in a social situation like that now if this is someone who gets like totally raging drunk and then binges on food and then doesn't eat for 3 days that's not who we're talking about okay <laughs> We're really talking about somebody who just doesn't have any problem with this at all like how does she show up at a party like this and then you can try it You know sometimes what I'll do so I was just in Europe for 2 weeks with my family and I'm not a huge beer drinker but we were in Germany and Austria and I was kind of like, you know, I'd like to kind of try it. But a whole beer really fills me up so much. I don't really like it. I don't like how I feel after having that. So what instead I did was a few times when my husband got a beer, I just had one sip of his. And that was all I needed. I just wanted to know what it tasted like. And that was it. I didn't need more. So that can be a way of doing it. You know, just going like, okay, I'm just going to try that. And then I'm going to have this thing instead. So a lot of it comes down to like, we want to have someone just tell us what we should do and what's going to work. But what works for you might be totally different than someone else. And so that's being open to just figuring out what your protocol is. What is Lisa's way of dealing with these things that works with like your thinking, your family, your life, your friends, all of those things. Like how do you want to approach the holidays in the framework within which you celebrate the holidays? You know what I mean? And just trying different things and being willing to fail. Right? Like, (laughs) but being willing to fail and go, oh, that didn't work. I'm not going to do that again, but I am going to spend some time thinking about why it didn't work, where I went wrong. You know, like maybe you're like, well, I'm just going to have one beer and then I won't have more. And then what ended up happening was, was after one beer, you're already feeling a little buzzed. And then, of course, you made bad decisions. So, and then you hold yourself to it. Okay, interesting. So, maybe a half a beer is what I should try next time. Or maybe I should just try not having a beer. And maybe it can be just as fun. Like, what might that be like? I'm trying it out, you know? So that's that those are all ways of kind of figuring that out. But for me, the sparkling water works great. I will tell you another tip that is actually, I believe it comes from Alcoholics Anonymous. 
but it really can work well if you're going to be around people who are really big, like drink pushers. (laughs) And we know those people who are like, why aren't you drinking? You know, like they really are like, it's important to them that you're having a good time. And if you don't have an alcoholic beverage in your hand, then they assume you're having a good time. And so the way that you approach this is like you get there and they immediately offer you a drink and you go, oh, you know what? I'm just going to have a water. I'm just going to have this first. I'm so thirsty before I have, I'm going to have that, whatever it is that they're offering you for sure. I want some, but first let me just drink this. And they're like, okay, great. That sounds totally great. And then later they're like, oh, did you have one? You're like, oh yeah. You know what? It was amazing, but I'm great. I'm really just taking a break from that right now. I'm just drinking this right now. And because you think about like, think of alcoholics and how they have to go through all this stuff where they really are in sobriety. Like they're not having it. And they really don't necessarily want to tell everybody that they're an alcoholic and why, right? So it can be just this sort of little bit of a game sometimes, you know, if that feels good to you, you also can totally just straight up be like, no, I'm not drinking today because I don't want to. Like, that's totally fine too. But sometimes it can just be like, oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it was amazing. No, I'm great with this right now. And they're like, okay, like they just want you to have a good time. And you're just reassuring them. Yes, I am having a good time. Thank you so much for caring about me. I don't actually have to consume the alcohol okay. to have a good time. Thank you. Yeah, that's all good ideas. So those are all good ideas. So, so the final thing, let's kind of like just tie this up because you did talk a little bit also about accountability to yourself. Yes. And there was this recent podcast about that and being accountable to yourself. And really what, I'll just leave you with a little nugget about that. What it really comes down to is being willing to feel uncomfortable. Because being accountable to yourself means not acting in the moment on every little whim, like you should eat the M&Ms or you should have the cookie and not eating the cookie is going to only happen if you allow yourself to feel the discomfort of having the desire and urge and not meeting it. Right. But then what do you get after that? Feel amazing. Right. And you're building that relationship with yourself. You're like, Oh, wait, I was just accountable to myself. Turns out I can do this. Sweet. I wonder if I can do it two times in a row. And then you do that. And then you start building that up. Now, are there going to be times where you're like, shoot, I totally screwed that up? Sure. And then you get to decide what to make that mean. Okay. Like, I'm just going to start again. Clearly, now I know where I still have work to do. Okay, good. Versus this isn't going to work. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do this. Like thoughts like that. Okay. Okay. So food for thought. No pun intended, sorry. But <laughs> but your new thought, right? It's okay to have the desire and not act on it. I want you to give that one a try, okay? Definitely. I always say you got to try this one out in the wild, okay? You got to like go out in the wild of your real life, <laughs> not in theory coaching land and give it a try and see what happens. And then you for sure have to email me and let me know how it goes. Okay. I got so many notes from this. Thank you so much. <laughs> and the great news is it's recorded so you can listen to it all again, okay? <laughs> great. Thank you so much. You're so welcome, Lisa. And Lisa, thank you so much for raising your hand and letting everybody hear your coaching experience. This has been so helpful, I'm sure, for so many people. Thank you. This has been so helpful for me. Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to MD.com and click on free resources.